Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hey you, welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Stop what you're doing unless you're driving. Please continue and be safe. Go on Amazon, type in Tej Talks, and go get my two books. So many people say to me, oh, I didn't know you had a book out. It's not like I say it in front of every podcast or talk about it. It's mad. Uh, but that's the algorithm for you. Eh? You've got to keep repeating stuff a hundred times. I have two books, one on buy, refurbish, refinance, the ultimate guide. In fact, it's the only book on BRR. So yeah, skip to that one. And then I've got Behind the Bricks, which is 43 different property investors sharing everything. So go to Amazon, type in Tej Talks Property, and go have a look at those two books. Uh, apart from that, today I'm talking to Rachel. Now, Rachel Knight is going to talk about title splitting, which is kind of like buy to let on steroids. And it's a way that you can extract more profit, generate more cash flow, still keep some capital appreciation, all with a bit of paperwork. Um, is it that easy? Probably not. And you know it's not going to be that easy like anything in property. But in the kind of market we're in at the moment, where you know we're struggling to buy good deals, especially just a classic doer-upper, it's time you really start. And I cover this with my mentees. Oh, by the way, I'm looking for five to 10 new mentees for 2022. I freed up time in my diary. So if that's you, come and have a talk to me. It is not suitable for a complete beginner, right? If you're a complete beginner, you need education, not mentoring. Anyone else? Come and speak to me. And, you know, we speak about how in this you know, market, it's so important to find other ways to add value. And I speak to that with my mentees and we've got a list of different ways you can find properties that are different, a bit more annoying, a bit more stressful, but profitable. And that's kind of what or where title splitting falls into. So here we go. Rachel, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Hello, Tej. Nice to talk to you. Uh, you too. You know, I read your article in, in YPN and it's it was interesting because we're talking about a, a subject or an approach or a strategy, whatever you want to call it, that isn't actually that often spoken about. And I think some people end up maybe doing it accidentally when it comes to like land. Um, but there is a very, very, I would say, profitable and, and strong strategy in what you're doing. And of course, you're going to take us through why it's maybe better than some other strategies yes. and who can do it, when they should do it, and a bit about how they can do it. But before we get into title splitting, could you maybe tell us what you were doing before property and then how you pivoted into property? Yes. Um, so the first thing I would say is um, uh, my story goes back uh, quite a long way. Um, I'm in my early 50s now. Um, and I started, I, I was a really young mum, so I had my child young. Um, I went to university whilst I had my first ch- whilst I had my first child and I was working and I always knew I'd have a career and I thought that I wanted a corporate career like many uh, of us do. Um, I thought I'd go and have a corporate career and I climbed to a certain uh, level on the ladder and if anyone finds me on LinkedIn, you'll see my background and my corporate career in there. Um, I was a sales director for Equifax. I was a sales director for Experian. I was a general manager who ran a business and grew a business from um, uh, one million 
uh, to uh, 8 million within three years. Um, and that was in the, believe it or not, IT parts sector. So my, my background was very sales director, sales oriented. I had my first sales director role when I was 29. Um, so it was all in the corporate world, all in sales, running teams of people, selling into the big banks. Um, and it was very political. <laughs> it was very political. And like most people, um, I think you get to a point where you get a bit jaded with that. So around 2014, I thought, you know what? I've had enough of this. I really want to start my own business. I'm going to go out and be a consultant, do this on my own. And I just started my consultancy business when I found property training. So I should say I'd done property since 2005 and I'd get, I'd get a, I'd get a bonus and I'd buy a property. I'd not buy a property. I didn't have that much of a, put a deposit down on a property. Um, and I thought I'll have those for my pension, but because I was a big salary earner, I was like, no, I don't really want any, any income out of them now because it just wouldn't make me pay even more tax. Um, and I was, I put them in as my pension pot. So I'd bought a few properties as an amateur investor. And if anybody's ever done that, they will know that sometimes you don't buy them in the right area. They were great capital growth areas, but they didn't have cash flow, which is quite ironic now that I'm talking about a strategy that's about giving you massive capital growth because that is important and cash flow. But they were cap- they were capital growth. And then when I got trained as an investor, we moved to cash flow. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, when you moved out of your job, was it because a lot of people are potentially in a position you were in or about to be, was it scary? Was it a big jump or did you kind of plan for it and it was all kind of expected? Um, I always I always knew that one day I would start my own business. And I think because my children were young and I had a family to support and I was the main earner, um, it was important. And like my daughter went to university, one of my daughters went to university. I was like, well, till they've got their they're on the road to their own lives. I need to earn this big income. But but literally, the 2015, my daughter was in, she was finishing her last year in university in 2016. And I was like, no, this is it. I'm going. I'm going to go and have that career that I really want. Um, and um, that's what I did. So, so that was going to be about starting my own business. Now, the problem I had, and a lot of, a lot of investors, when they first start out, they'll find that they're in a position where they can't really do it immediately. Um, and I was in this position because the first thing that the tra- the people that I went and paid for my education, which I believe in, and I went along and I um, went to this commercial uh, property finance course, so how do you get the money to do your deals? And the first thing they said to me was, you know what, you need to go and get a job. And I'm like, no way, I'm running my own business I'm not working for somebody else again. So I had to work for two years till I could really get going ramping up my portfolio because I had to wait and get two years worth of SA302s so that I had could show regular income, not just from a corporate career, but into my own bank account, into my own company, so that I could go and get mortgages to, to, to do property properly and build a cash flow flowing portfolio of properties and I couldn't do that until I waited two years so for those people who get frustrated out there don't worry you've got to get all your ducks in a row and then you go forward 
Um, and that's what I did. So I, I was ready by the time I started doing the property. I was very confident I could earn the income in the, I was in the sort of um, credit and fraud sector. And with GDPR coming and everything, there was loads of opportunity for me to get work. So I wasn't scared at all, really. And then when I did property, I definitely wasn't scared. Mm, I like that. And I think also this kind of attests to taking the right advice because, you know, of course, mortgage lenders have affordability checks. Obviously, there's some which don't, there's some which have smaller ones, but it is important actually that people are thinking about quitting their job. You need to make sure that, you know, your strategy aligns with it and that your broker, you know, or your, whoever you're speaking to has given you the right advice. So you left that job, you know, when you were buying kind of properties, I suppose, a normal way. Um, why? Because you were buying properties and, you know, I know it wasn't necessarily making much cash flow, but you were buying property. So what made you then want to get training? Because it's like anything in life. If if you are going to find the secrets that are out there, that are the golden nuggets, the light bulb moments of how to really do things, then the best way to do it is to invest in your education. You wouldn't expect, um, and I certainly didn't do it. So, so actually I'd done a, a diploma in management uh, previously and um you know that was when I was in the corporate world that's when I was in a management career that's when I managed teams of people and that was the right thing to do and that cost me twenty four thousand pounds that wasn't cheap right so I could, and I had to do it privately and I had to go to university outside of my job and do that and pay for that so actually when it came to um investing in my education for property I knew I'd literally grown a portfolio to about £500,000 by 2015. And that had taken from 2005, so that was 10 years. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to be financially free from property. In other words, when COVID hit, my rents paid my way. And so that's there's no such thing as an easy ride in life. But I knew I needed the education to get to that supercharged uh, ability to grow your portfolio and that's meant that in those years since 2016 and onwards I've, I've actually traded in in three over three million pounds worth of property I haven't kept them all in my portfolio I have flipped some we've done some in our private name we've done some in the company um, um, but ultimately we now have enough um, property in the portfolio um, to pay our incomes and so that was the difference. So from 2005 to 2015, no no speed. I couldn't do much between uh, 2015 and 17. And then from 17 onwards, we did three, not 500,000, but three million pounds worth of trading in property. So ultimately, getting that education supercharged my growth. And I, I didn't, I felt like, I don't want to take this to take 500 years. So we, we're steady as well. We're not, me and my uh, partner in the business, and my, he's my life partner as well. We are steady. We don't go silly. We're not on a back. We don't want a get-rich-quick scheme. What we want to do is steadily build a portfolio that pays our income instead of a job. That's it. I love that because, you know, my next question was going to be, you know, how has it changed after training? But you kind of summarized it there with that figure because, you know, you compare – half a mil to three mil obviously big big difference there yes and i think that just highlights how because previously before training you were doing it so it does show that hey without training education you can do it but a little you know, bit yeah but there's always something that you learn 
There's always something that you yes. don't know. You can consume all of the free content. I've got hundreds of hours of free content there for people, but you'll never ever get the real. Sometimes I find it's the glue. You know, you can find yes. out. Oh, here's what a title split is. Okay, here's what uh, a refurb is. But actually, gluing it together, gluing together every single element, and actually knowing most of these elements often comes from paying for training. And I'll, I think a lot of people um, learn this maybe the hard way, which is not having it, making mistakes, losing money. You know, hopefully no one loses money, but losing money, having issues, or in, or in your case, I suppose maybe growing slower than you felt you could and differently to how you could. And then it just shows you what is possible with the right training and education. Now, on that note, because, you know, and maybe it was different kind of back then, but right now, education is a minefield. Like if you pick the wrong person, it's literally like stepping on a mine. Like it's a complete waste of money. There's a lot of scammers. There's a lot of rubbish out there. In your opinion, I suppose there's two questions here. How did you decide who to work with? And then from that, what are your tips for people listening about how they can find someone or a company to work with and be trained by? Right. I've got, I've got a good answer to this now. And I think it's quite, it's quite new because like everything, I mean, you can imagine working in credit and working with fraud in G, GDPR as GDPR was happening. Regulation is everything in that area. It's a nightmare. It's a minefield. You know, FC, everybody was FCA regulated, which is Financial Conduct Authority. So I was used to working in, in that environment. Now, there are starting to be, there's starting to be um, recognition and regulation in property. And I think this will go forward. Um, so for me, I think I felt lucky. I found a company that was a- a- actually legitimate. I know that there is some cowboys out there and there are there are but this company has it has reinvented itself a number of times but the people who are running the training have been there a long time and they were really good the thing for me though is I'm an entrepreneur I'm, and when I was in the corporate world I, I would call myself an intrapreneur so I'm always looking for a better way to do it and most importantly a way that not everybody else is doing it because if you follow the crowd and do it the same as everyone else you get to a place where if you're all in the same thing in the same place with anything anything and property is the same and HMOs are a really good example um it gets saturated now what I would say is you need to have that grounding in education. Now, I'll come back to what we've done, uh, we're doing uh, to make sure that we're grounded in education and what we show people in terms of title splitting, which we'll talk about in a minute, is is um, we're going for regular, we're going for to be leg- for the legislation. We're going to be countered. But the thing for me is any property training should be giving you skills that you won't learn in the free world. And that is things like, and, and there is a massive saying, you don't know what you don't know. I say to people that you don't know what you don't know. So you, you can sit there and you can think, I can do this on my own. And my, my partner, bless him, he was definitely a bit like, well, we could do this without the education. And, and actually in two years, from 2015 to 17, he joined me in the education at that point because he realised that even if he wasn't on the same page as me, we knew how to do things in a way that meant we were not going to lose money. Um, I, I'm going to give you an example. So 
we actually bought our first property. I'm going to call it our first property after education, during the education. And we spent, it's quite a lot of money this is, um, but we spent £30,000 on our education. I'm going to see your listeners falling off the chairs and going, wow, you wouldn't do that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You would do that if you knew that you were going to do a deal where you got the 30000 back just on a single let property on my first deal. And that day, I knew that I'd invested wisely. But it is really scary. There is now something called PEAS, which is Property Invest- uh, Investors Education Scheme, something like that. This is um, part uh, involved with the um, PRS, um, which is the... Um, well, literally looks at how we regulate agents. So ultimately, we have and many good property education programs in the UK are becoming part of this education scheme where you are checked up and legislated. So I'm not, I've never mentioned anyone on here, but for example, if we had complaints about our training, then we would be kicked out of that scheme. Right. So we have got to deliver uh, training that gives people the, the correct level of knowledge, but also is good value for money. And and so I think that things in the property training industry are moving towards that. And I think that's a really good thing. I think anybody who's afraid of being regulated should not be doing what they're doing because you've got to be a stand up and be counted. So I think we're going to as consumers People are going to have more choice about choosing companies that have stood up to be counted. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think also people need to kind of take stock of, I suppose, uh, you know, a company or person's marketing and how they present themselves. Because, you know, like you were saying earlier about kind of get rich quick, and it's very easy for a lot of companies to promote this get rich quick because it's exactly what society wants to hear. And society doesn't think that actually hold on how is this possible like so sometimes you really have to take a look at like reality speak to people who are doing it and say hey you know i heard this claim from a company is this possible and you know we'll tell you no because it takes two months to get you know anything done in in legals because solicitors are so slow and land reg and blah 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 and so, the rest yeah you know yeah exactly so you have to kind of be aware or get aware of like the reality of it before jumping in with someone who's selling a dream and promising a world that doesn't exist because it's just, it's so far-fetched, but they're so good at presenting it, right? So, you know, really kind of look at people and how they present things and how sort of upfront and honest they are. Um, yeah. I think that's really important to look at as well. So, you know, when you learned about title splitting, which is what we're going to talk about today, did you know, and I suppose maybe the first question is, is title splitting something that you would have done for your first deal? And would you recommend it for people who haven't done property before? So there's a couple of things here. So so the first thing I would say is that title splitting is um, a, a strategy that will take everything you know in property and put it together, right? So, but... <laughs> So the answer is, if you have no education in property, and I don't mind, but I don't mean an education of watching free YouTube videos. I mean, an education of actually investing in your own education, right? If you have not done any of that, and that's one option, 
to, to do title splitting. Another option is you've done some property and you've got experience because I did have some experience from doing my properties from 2005 to 2015, but I have a huge amount more experience um, in that shorter time frame um, because I'd got that education. And that meant that I was adding to my knowledge by doing the things I was doing, not testing. I mean, where else would you test whether it works or not, costing yourself tens of thousands of pounds? This, you know, these properties are a lot of money. It's not like, I don't know, deciding whether uh, uh, you're going to invest £500 something. I mean, literally, you put a deposit down at 25%. And that's why if you're lucky enough to have had that deposit, that's wiped everything out of your bank account. So what I would say is the education gave me that. Um, I would also say that the problem I had, and title splitting, so title splitting is a little known strategy. Now, I am going to imagine there's going to be people sat there now going, yeah, but they've been doing this for years because actually title splitting is a legal process in the in the dictionary. It's a legal process of, uh, for splitting a property. Well, so for, for creating freehold and leasehold, right? So apartments. Well, of course, there's been apartments for years, but the reality is people have not done it properly. And so when, when I got educated, and this was really interesting, I went to my educators and said, right, you're sending everybody to do HMOs in Corby or Derby. I, I'll say Derby because it literally, uh, I live in Derbyshire, so it's easy for me to say that. Uh, Derby because it's down the road for me. But many areas in the UK now that are saturated with HMOs and literally all the investors were being sent to those areas. And I, because I'd done property before, I was like, I'm not doing that. I want to do something that I'm an entrepreneur. I want to do something that is going to give me long-term capital growth. I want capital growth. I want equity. And I was saying to people who were training me, they'd done all this amazing grounding training. I've been trained on HMOs. I've been trained on rent to rent. I've been trained on uh, how to find the money for, for deals. So creative finance. I've been trained on all these different subjects. But then I went and said, no, I don't want to do HMOs. I want to do title splitting. Can you show me how to do it? And they all literally went, no, we don't do that. We leave it till later. And the problem with leaving it till later is those who've left till later have lost hundreds of thousands of pounds when they go to sell. Those who now, developers, title split all the time. They get a building, they develop it, they build it, and then they split the, the units as they sell them. So everybody thinks, that means everybody title splits. But if you want to build a portfolio of cash flowing assets, which is what I wanted to do, I didn't want to sell them. I wanted them to be sale ready, but I didn't want to sell them. I hope that makes sense. So the answer to your question, because I've gone through all of that, is you can do this. I did, I did a title split as my second deal after training so I did that one that made me my training money back the 30 grand well I actually got about 35 grand out of the deal so I only just covered it by the skin of my teeth but I still covered it right the second deal was three properties bought at auction two of which were converted to to apartments so there was I turned two houses one house I kept as a house two houses into four apartments that was my second deal out of training school so the answer to your question is, 
You can do it early on. I certainly wouldn't do it as my first deal. Um, you, but you do need to be able to prove that you can do this. It's slightly more difficult to get the finance because you've got to have some experience. So, it, but it's certainly not for the, it's not for the newbies. It's not for somebody who's brand new to property, never done a property before, because even if you physically did this and managed to borrow the money to do it, potentially from a private investor or something, when you went to finance it out with a bank, if you didn't have some experience, you might have an issue. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And it's good to kind of, I suppose, clear that up because, you know, a lot of people starting out want to go into big things. Oh, I want to do development. I want to do land. I want to do all this stuff, which as we'll speak about, you know, title splitting is very profitable, a lot more profitable than, I suppose, well, it can be a lot more profitable than, you know, a single kind of small flip. But the lessons you learn on those flips, the lessons you learn on those buy to lets, like you said, all kind of comes together in a title split. Now, you know, you, you kind of gave a definition there of a title split, but I mean, could you give a few, not necessarily case studies yet, but just top level examples of where you've split a title, what it was and what it became. So people really understand what it is. So um, what we started with, so that particular one that I've just told you about. So what happened is went to auction and bought three houses at auction. Um, this was a landlord who was selling his very small portfolio. Um, so we bought that portfolio. Um, now, the the properties, and this is the key, if I'd have kept it as three houses, I did get a good deal, I would have been able to add value onto the three houses. Because actually, I think I bought it for about 173,000. I bought it for 173, and that 173 divided by three worked out at £57,666 a property. And no, this wasn't in the southeast. <laughs> and it wasn't in the northeast either. It was actually in the East Midlands. So I bought this property, and this was in 2017. So even if I'd just done, say, a light refurb on each of the three properties, say I put new kitchens, new bathrooms, but it wasn't that sort of property. It was literally, I call it back to brick. So even if I'd have just bought the three houses, one of them I didn't take back to brick, but two of them, the ones that I turned into flats, I definitely had to literally... Every bit of plaster came off the walls. It was full rewires, the whole works. So if I was doing that and I was just doing the two houses and they were back to brick, those two, I'd have probably spent 30000 per house. So it would have been a lot of money because, and I'm using that as an example, we spent more than that because we, we created them into flats. But if we'd have just turned them into houses, they've got their electric supplies, they've got the gas supplies, We'd have just refurbed the whole bottom, top to bottom. We'd have had to knock all the, the plaster off the walls. We'd have had to, to literally um, rewire the whole thing, brand new windows, brand new doors, blah, 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 brand new kitchens, brand new bathrooms. We'd have done that. There were two uh, two-bedroom houses. If we'd have given us two-bedroom houses and done that refurb, we'd have spent £60,000 on the two houses. As it happens, and, and they would have been, and this is the ridiculous thing, if we'd have spent that 60000 uh, on the two houses, so uh, let me just do times two for the 57. So it would have been 115000 purchase price. Everybody's got a pen as they're listening to this. Then we'd have spent 60k on top of that. So that's um, 175k for the two houses. That would have been the cost in. They'd have only been worth 200000 
at that time. They're worth more now because capital growth, but they'd have only been worth 200,000. And more importantly, we'd have only got about 1,000 to £1,100 a month rent. And I haven't got time to waste my time, really. I mean, that, you know, this is a lady who was earning six figures. I'm, I, I, when I say I don't want to go fast, I don't want to go particularly slow either. So what I did instead is I looked at those two houses and the layout was perfect for flats. And I knew that I could make two times one bed flats. Okay. So now I'm putting up my refurb costs because my refurb costs for the two flats is going to be more than the refurb costs for the two houses. Why? Because I'm going to have to put new gas and electric supplies in for two of the properties. I'm going to have to put a new water supply in. Uh, I didn't do gas, actually. We just did electric. So we've got new electric supply, new water supply, still back to brick, um, extra kitchens, extra bathrooms. So what that ended up being... Um, and by doing it as four apartments, which I had to get planning for, um, it was it cost me ninety thousand. So I invested that extra money. But the thing is, by the time I'd done that, so I invested an extra thirty thousand. So I'm just putting these rough numbers up there for people to understand. I invested an extra thirty thousand to turn them into apartments. So it cost me more. But then, instead of them being valued at two hundred thousand. I got a value of 260. Now, you know I like my 30Ks, guys, and I just said that because I spent 30K on my training, but that was another 30,000 extra for title setting. Now, why? I split them properly. We have the freehold in one company and we have the leasehold apartments in another company. That means I can sell those apartments, but they're, they're all in one, it's like one block, right? But the leasehold, four leasehold apartments and one freehold for the whole lot, right? Once I'd done that title split, because that's the title split, which I did, they were valued at £260,000. That's only a 30k uplift. But more importantly, the rent at that time, and this was four years ago, was £900 per house. Now, remember what I just told you, I'd have been lucky to get five to 550 per house. I'm now going to get £900 a month per house. That is a better number. We take it further than that. I can now sell that small block of apartments to an investor and I can get a commercial mortgage. And if people understand the difference between a commercial valuation on a mortgage and residential or a buy-to-let mortgage, which is a bricks-and-mortar valuation. I feel my surveyor shouted at me now. It's called a comparable valuation, not bricks-and-mortar, but I think property investors call it a bricks-and-mortar valuation. If I can get both valuations, that puts me in a position to take advantage of the capital growth in the market in the future. That puts me in a position when I go to sell them of the, being able to sell them to individuals who want their first home, who who are prepared to pay more than investor is. And I'm in a position to take advantage of the capital growth in the future. And if anybody knows anything about capital growth, I mean, the East Midlands, where I am, in the last year, we've had about 7% capital growth. Now, we have had a boom, but in the last 20 years, that capital growth has been up, 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 up. 
We had a little drop in 2008, 2009. It went down a bit and then it went up, 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 up. And this is the key. Title splitting is the golden egg. Title splitting gave me the opportunity to have the rent of the flats. So I got good cash flow, right? And the capital growth of individual properties versus just the, the growth of the rent, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I suppose there's, there's a few things that we could look at. You said, you know, it was better to be converted to flats and you kind of knew that. You know, for people who are starting out, I mean, are they going to have to pay an architect every single time to kind of understand if it can be split or can they learn to just... Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, no. So if you're going to split it, I would suggest using an architect, but you can do them on the back of a fag packet as well. What I would say to you, though, is there's much more to title split into than just looking at the architect's drawing. Um, In terms of title splitting, we need to know how to legally split it. We need to understand all the tax implications of splitting it. We need to have all the professionals around us who can help us to do that. And we need to have education. And the one thing that really was difficult for me, because remember, in 2017, I was just ending my education and I was going to the educators and saying, can you show me how to do this? And they were saying no. I was like, well, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I've built businesses. I'm like, I'm doing this anyway. And I remember my educator saying, well, why don't you get all the different people and we'll work it through together? And I'm thinking, no, I'm not doing that because you're just going to train everybody else on this. I'm going to find a way to make this a process that I can help other property investors follow because ultimately this is the golden egg because the HMO markets are saturated in many, many areas. Anybody listening to this who has H, well, I'll use Derby as an example, but we could be talking about places in the northwest, the northeast, everywhere in the UK. Anywhere that there's not an article for, newbies, new people have been sent to those areas, uh, property investors have been sent to those areas or have gone to those areas and developed HMOs. The problem is there's that much stock now that sometimes the voids are longer. And a lot of the time, if it's a bigger HMO, the lending that you get from the bank is based upon the rental income and the yield. And if you are not filling all your apartments fast and getting the rental income and the yield, your valuation does not go up, it goes down. If you have capital valuation and capital, um, so these properties grow by capital growth every year, if you have a capital valuation, it will go up. So we're teaching people to get the cash flow like a sweet, generous HMO and the capital growth like a, a portfolio of individual saleable properties. And would you say that it's harder to find properties that can be title split versus, you know, a, a single letter or a HMO? No, it's not at all. It's harder. You've You've just got to know where to go and where to look and how to look. And some of those things are quite complicated. But when we, one of the things we do when we're working with our clients is we work down and enable them uh, to, um, to be able to do that without um, 
so that they understand it. And being really honest, we don't share it with everyone. And the reason we don't share it with everyone is what we don't want our clients that have had education in this to be saturated in their markets too. But yes, they are, you are able to find deals. In fact, my business partner and I, uh, my business partner's a lady called Harriet Dunn, and she is a commercial property trainer and a commercial lawyer. Um, we often go on to live Zooms with our clients and they'll say to us, oh, I invest in, I'm just going to use an example, I'll pick an area out of the air, uh, Manchester. I can't find any deals in my area and we will go on live and find them a deal and we'll work through the numbers and we'll show them why that deal works. But if you don't know what you're looking for, of course it's hard to find it. But once you know what you're looking for, once you know it's not, um, there are deals out there. And actually these properties, I have heard investors say to me, I found these flats in Derby Um I wondered how I could turn them back into a HMO. I nearly fell off my chair. I'm like, no, don't turn them back into a HMO. A HMO is, a, is is you know, this is not the way to go because ultimately, I'm not saying you shouldn't have HMOs and I'm not saying you shouldn't build a portfolio of cash flowing assets, but we should diversify and have a mixed portfolio of different types of assets. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that makes sense. And then, you know, I suppose given there is quite a, a sort of heavy legal element here. Can people just use any old conveyancer and solicitor that they've bought their house with, or do they need someone a bit more specialist to um, to do title splitting? Yeah, they do. At the risk of upsetting any conveyancers that are listening, this is a hybrid um, hybrid strategy. This is one of the reasons it's nearly impossible to find people to do it because. There's commercial property and then there's residential property. And then this sort of sits somewhere in the middle, right? And so you've got a conveyancer who is a commercial, is a, is a buy to let. Uh, well, the conveyancer is doing a residential property conveyancing. A commercial solicitor is doing commercial property conveyancing, right? And because they've got the title commercial solicitor, they, they might have even done title splits where they've done it for developers. But I have had conversations with commercial solicitors, and I kid you not, because we, we've had to interview many commercial solicitors to, to get to the root of, do they really understand how to do this? Because it's not just about, it's not just about splitting the property in a legal way. There's so much more to it than that. And we have interviewed them, and they've said, well, doesn't everybody title split? We don't think anybody doesn't do it. There are hundreds of properties out there that have not been done properly, not been done properly. And, I, and I'll come back and I will say that, no, one of the things Harriet will really upset Harriet, because ultimately our people we know have, or have gone out and try and find somebody who can help them with this strategy. And this is not just the solicitor. We're talking about mortgage brokers. We're talking about um, everybody knows how to do this strategy. So what happens is, the commercial solicitor will tell you to do it one way, but the bank won't let you do it. Or the accountant tells you to save tax this way, but the bank won't let you buy it in that way. So you you really need to have to know a lot to do this strategy with any um, uh, real purpose. And that's why when I first started out, it was really tough because I had to work it out. And it nearly drove me insane. I tried power team members and they were not good enough. They did not know how to do it. I, I'm lucky that I found a couple that did. 
But even then, they only knew their own bit. And I had to put all the pieces together myself. Now, then I met Harriet. And Harriet, being a commercial lawyer who had done a lot of this, she understood it from the developer's point of view. But we took the two things and put them together. And we built around how this works now. And there's other things like freehold and leasehold is massively going to change in the UK. And yet people, and if I can just give people one tip out here, do not go and buy freeholds. This is going to change. There is not money in owning freeholds. There might be short-term money, but the government is trying to change freehold and leasehold in the UK. And whereas developers were, were putting freeholds for sale and then people were buying them and running them as a passive income portfolio, be really careful. I would not be touching them because things are going to change. And what we do is make sure people are ready for that future that's coming and that they're making money out of the cash flow from the leasehold apartments. Definitely. I mean, there's certain businesses, companies who own millions of pounds worth of freeholds. It's their only business. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how these changes affect the kind of big players in that sense. But also... You always see them in auctions, like freeholds for sale, and they're often quite cheap. Um, but yeah, someone knows something. And Don't touch them. I can only say to your readers, do not buy freeholds. You are biting off a problem. And just be careful, I won't do it. Yep, that people, you've heard that here first. And um, you were saying earlier, kind of like, you know, you had to kind of put the pieces together yourself. And there were kind of things where one member would say something and the other member would disagree and it wouldn't actually work. And, you know, tire splitting is obviously way more complex than say buy to lets or flips, but, you know, thinking about my experience in buy to lets and flips, the same thing kind of happens. It's like when I didn't used to know, it would be like, oh, so we can't actually do it that way. And that's okay. And sometimes if you're, if it's to do with your mortgage and you've lost an exit, you've got kind of real problems. So for people listening, having the right people and also the right people who are in agreement or at least will speak to each other, which is half the bloody battle with these people sometimes, um, is so, so important because you don't want to buy a property without an exit. You don't want to buy, even if it's a flip, the person buying it has to be able to get a mortgage in most cases to buy it off you. There has to be an exit for your exit. So, you know, I just thought there was a parallel there with even with the simple stuff. And true. It's very true. You know, with title splitting, you've kind of given an example there of kind of houses to flats. Now, that's probably the most common title split you hear of. But am I right in saying, you know, you can do it with land? You could do it with some old cottages if they like you could do it with anything to an extent. Yeah, there's there's so much opportunity with title splitting. So once you know the amazing skill, um, you will be able to go and do it with land. Um, You will be able to you will be able to build properties from scratch and make sure the title are split properly in the first place and the key thing here is the thing about title splitting is you as a developer have to understand it well yourself so that you can you can make sure your team deliver the exact outcome that you personally are looking for right that's the key so one of the ones one of the my uh favorite ones that i see i've seen people do um and actually i'm doing one of these myself at the moment so if you see me on linkedin or um you'll see me talking about a property and a piece of land next door is you can split you can buy a house you can apply for planning on the land you can split off the land now splitting that at the right time is absolutely crucial because if you do it in the wrong way you could scup and, and create the wrong um 
title deeds for the land, that could have an impact. So so it's really important that you have the right type of solicitor to help you with that transaction and that you understand what you're doing. But the other thing is, if you live in one property um, and, and develop another one, in, say, for example, the garden next door, or even on another piece of land, when you move out of the one property that's your principal primary residence, if that was your home, you will not have to pay capital gains tax and you can then um, move into the other property. So... There's lots of tax advantages, but also, um, you know, you can you can buy land. You could you could actually sell land. The other thing that people don't realise and don't think about is what about title splitting commercial properties, right? Commercial properties are ripe for title splitting. Many businesses these days want their own little unit. Could you have title split units? There's so much. Could you build property and title split it so that you can sell individual units? There's just so many opportunities with title splitting. And am I right in saying that this could be a less profitable approach to title splitting, but you can title split, and you mentioned it there, without actually having to do any refurbs and working with builders? Uh, yeah. So what I would say, I would be careful because you can, you could technically, right? Technically, you could. So I could buy something that I'm going to give you an example. I could buy something from a landlord, say, who hasn't split it properly and split it upon purchase. However, you've got to be seen when you're going to get finance on a property, the bank are going to ask you exactly what you've done to that property. Funnily enough, I was training some of our clients today and we were going through um, a valuation pack and we were looking at what valuers are asking for and one of the things they'll ask for is your schedule of works and how much you spent on the property if you haven't spent anything on the property you know you have to be honest on this stuff I am a great believer in if you do everything straight you will never have an issue or be getting caught out for not doing things the right way so um what I um do um is I show people that you know You've got to be able to show the bank that you spent money on that property. And so I would say technically you can, but whether you will add the value that way, the ideal is to buy something that's dilapidated and needs work on it still, as it is with any property investment, if you're looking to add forced appreciation. So you're looking to appreciate the property now. However, certainly I've got examples where I've bought buildings where if the landlord had done this properly, he'd have been selling it to a lot, for a lot more money to me than he is doing. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose as we kind of have come to a close here, we've been speaking about the profitability of uh, title splitting. Could you maybe share with us a case study, maybe your favourite one, just so we can see if you sold it or if you kept it, but just kind of some of the numbers so that people, you know, when they're considering this approach and this strategy, yeah. they can kind of see what's possible. Yes. So... I've got a couple of examples. Um, I'm going to start with one that's a little bit more, and I've actually already talked to you about this. This is the property um, that um, I bought the three houses and I turned what two of the houses into four flats. So I'm just going to talk about those for a moment. Mm -hmm. Because I did that four years ago, I can actually see the appreciation. And it's in a small Midlands town and the property values are not really high because one of the questions we get asked about is, well, where does this work? And the answer to the question is, this is one of the most beautiful things about title splitting. It, you don't have to drive up. If you live in London, you don't have to go to Newcastle on time to make this work, Arby or Nottingham or, you know, there will be places 
in the southeast, I'm not going to say in London, but in the southeast, where you can make this property work, this work, because you're looking for areas where you've got capital growth and good rental cash flow. So remember, if you have had training, you'll have been told to go for cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, probably. But this is areas where the market shows that you get good capital growth, but you also can buy properties for a reasonable price so that you can generate good cash flow. Now, so the rental incomes are okay. Now, I bought this uh, property, this these two properties in, in a, a small market town in the Midlands. It's the sort of town where people like to stay. So you leave home from your mum and dad and then you get your first apartment and then you get your first house and, and it's like that. But the other thing, in all these areas, you've got um, developers coming in and developing old mills and things like that and turning those into fancy apartments. So this worked in my favour because I bought these properties and they were valued at 65,000 each. Remember I said it was uh, it was 65 for one house, 65 for one apartment, so that's times two. So it was 130 for two apartments and then it was 260 for four apartments. Fast forward four years, I'm going to tell you what they're now worth at bricks and mortar value. So at the value based upon the valuations in the market today, right? So these properties at the moment are worth, the the apartments are worth 82.5 each. So if you do 82.5 times by four, they are now worth 330,000. This is four years later. That works out, you can do the math yourself, but it works out at 6.73% per annum. Fast forward this 2029, that then means that those apartments in 2029 are worth 531,000. That's assuming that from 2017, they grew every year at the same 6.73%. Now, I don't think they'll grow at 6.73% per annum. I don't think that. So everyone's like, she's smoking, you know, she's having a laugh. I, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're probably more likely to grow at about 4 or 5% per annum. But just bear with me. If I had just gone and not split them, so I'd created the apartments, I spent the money, but I didn't split them. And I kept them as what we call a multi-unit freehold block, right? In two, this is the truth, because we do not, nobody will raise rents at 6.73% per annum. And commercial mortgages, which is the only option that had been available to me, but didn't split them only based on commercial, based on um, rental income and yield. So the rental would grow at an average inflation is where it's normally at, 2% per annum, right? Now, we are getting much higher numbers in some areas. Let me tell you why. If I put a new tenant in, I'll get the market rate. I'm on about when the tenant sits in there and stays for years. That's 2%. Just using like with like on what I could refinance for this for in October 29, if I had them as single, uh, as one unit, so four flats in one multi-unit freehold block, I would be getting a valuation of 326890 wow. based on rental income growth. If I do it, as apartments at 6.73%, it's 531. If I just bring it down and do it 5%, it's 449,280. So 
even if I only did it at 5% growth, the difference is over 100,000 just on that four little tiny flats. So guys, you cannot afford to not leave this till later. The growth opportunity is huge. And the main thing is I'm getting all that cash flow. The other thing I've done is I do them in Nottingham. And in Nottingham, I bought one building for 210. The refurb was 130. It's four apartments. It's just been valued at 500,000. And that one was bought at, at the beginning of 2020. And it's just been valued at 500,000. 500, so uh, if you want to add that up, I bought it for two and I spent a hundred it was actually 135. So um so two ten, three ten, three three forty-five, and I've just had it valued at five hundred thousand. And more importantly, the rental the rental income on the four apartments is the equivalent of a HMO in the area. So I'm happy. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely makes sense, and I think it's kind of another, you know, it's kind of like having a toolbox and having different ways of adding value. One is the most common one, which is just doing a reefer, but then title splitting, as you're kind of showing there, can add a level of profit that you don't have to put in as much money or time. And I suppose because a solicitor does a lot of the kind of legal, technical, heavy lifting, you'd hope, um, and yes. you get, you know, quite a significant uplift. And that's quite, especially in a market like now where, you know, finding a general refurb deal is very difficult. Finding a, a BR or a flip right now that's just a, you know, doer upper is becoming increasingly difficult. You know, title splitting is still something that not a lot of people are doing or talking about or know how to do. And so it's a very, very valid way to add value that may need less work than what we're used to or kind of what we're told. And like yes. you're saying there, kind of maintaining and increasing capital appreciation which hmos because of their sort of if you get them done commercially or either way the lack of exits or the overinflated commercial valuation it really just show you actually it's i kind of look at title splitting you know especially when you get a big house and convert it into lots of flats kind of like buy to let on steroids because it is right it's what you're doing you're buying one property and doing four buy to lets in one deal exactly Whoa. And, you know, compared to a HMO where the humans, oh, he took my milk. Oh, is he smell in the morning? All this crap. You've just got, you know, five, six, seven, whatever it is, single less, which I love because of the management and because of capital appreciation, but in one. Um, and I've had other guests on here as well who do this strategy and the figures speak for themselves. And, yeah. you know, like you said, it's not necessarily for beginners, but I think when you reach a certain point, buying one bite at a time, at a time and I'm, sort of in that position and you get a bit like three too long it's just too too long long. (laughs) it does and then it it kind of you know if you think about it three or four by to lets potentially cost the same as a big house converting into flats or something like that so you know when you really look at it i think there comes a point for all sort of single let investors where you're like let's just do this so much quicker um and and that's what tile splits are so Richard, obviously, I'm going to put the links to your website, your training, all that stuff in the show notes. Um, but, you know, what is the best way for, for people to get a hold of you to find out more and maybe to see what you're up to? Yes. So what we have, I've done a special offer for your um, your listeners. Um, so uh, 
Ash is going to share a link with you and Harriet and I, and honestly, the value of this, I can't believe we're doing it, but we normally charge £97, but we have, um, we just, and, and it's only a masterclass. So this is, this is just going to blow your mind in terms of possibilities, but we do an, a masterclass that is between two and two and a half hours. So it's a lot of value. And if you book that through Tej Talks, you will get it for £29, right? Uh, that is not a big investment. Why? Because we want you to see the possibilities of this strategy. Um, so if you, uh, I've done that offer for, uh, we don't give it free because there's a lot of content in there. And we're not, we're not in the habit of giving free content. So I've shared some free stuff with you today, but ultimately there's more nuggets of information in there and, and, and it's only £29. So uh, just bob in there. Um, we do have a web, website as well, but actually, even if you go through the website, it will take you back to that and you'll end up having to pay more for it. So go to just literally tick, click on uh, on the link that um, Tej is sharing with you and you can buy that for £29. We have different masterclasses. You can come on and you can hear how we're actually making this strategy happen. And we'll have it's a present. We do it on the, on the, on the, um, on a webinar so you can see it on the screen. Um, we'll share some of these numbers with you and we'll share you how much money you can make. I mean, the fact is, you know, would I ever do a single let again when I can do four single lets in one? Probably not. Would I ever do a HMO? Well, just to prove a point, I've just had planning on a massive sweet generous uh, HMO in, in Nottingham and I'm actually going to sell it with planning on because I've got a good uplift from that. Why? Because I would rather focus my energy and effort on... Um, this type of strategy because I'm not interested just in the short-term cash flow. I'm interested in building a portfolio that I can leave to my kids, a portfolio that I can sell for massive profit as the market grows. And 20 years from now, you know, if that portfolio doubles in value, which it certainly has in the last 20 years for people, then I'm going to have all that capital growth appreciation. And I certainly wouldn't want to be sat with big HMOs that I can only get commercial valuations on in the future. Yeah, no, well said. And look, my listeners, don't say I don't ever help you out. Yeah, look at this discount that Rachel's giving you. So, um, click the link in the show notes, and you will be taken directly to that. And all that's left for me to do is say, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Tiles is something that interests me. I know there's going to be lots of my listeners who are interested in this and are at that kind of stage where, like you said, would you buy another one or would you buy four for one? So, Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you so much Tej. lovely to meet everyone and i hope they enjoy the the uh, recording thank you if you like this podcast connect with tej on facebook linkedin and youtube for more great content